is that number one, you know, the blessing you receive from going through this series, looking at what gratitude looks like. But the bigger hope in the prayer is that after you've gone through this, there's a desire in your heart to look for opportunities to express and show gratitude to others. In some of the smallest and simplest ways, we have the opportunity to show some gratitude to people. This morning, we're ending our series by looking at a conversation Jesus had with an individual. The thing that is so unique about this conversation is the statement we're going to see Jesus make. And it's the kind of statement that we hear Jesus say, and we kind of strike our heads and ask the question for ourselves what is he really saying? What is he trying to tell us? What is it we're missing when he makes this statement? Go ahead and take your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke 17 is a familiar passage of scripture. It's an appropriate passage to be looking at this morning to wrap up this series. But in Luke chapter 17, we see this encounter between Jesus and a group of individuals. And it's a group of individuals that are all suffering with the same thing. We see this interaction between them and Jesus. And I want us to read everything that transpires, but I want you to pay attention to when we get to verse 19. We're going to start in verse 11. And look at everything that happened, but I want you to pay attention when we get to verse 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem and passed through the midst of Samaria in Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. All right, Bible markers. Underline the word cleansed. This is going to be important here in just a second. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned it with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner? Verse 19. And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. It's that last statement that I want to look at this morning. That when you read it, there's, there's, it's kind of interesting. And notice on the screen behind me, there's a different translation of this verse. The ESV says, He said to him, Arise, and go your way, your faith has made you well. Stand up and go on your way, you are healed because you believe. Stand up and go, your faith has healed you. So I read this verse, verse 19, and I read the statement that Jesus said to your faith has made you well. And there's some questions that I kind of struggle with. There's questions that I wrestle with as I read this passage of scripture. Questions like, was the man not healed before? Another question to go to mind is, what about the others? Were they not healed as well? Another question may come is, was the healing not Something else when I read the scripture is that Jesus only offered a temporary physical healing. Or is Jesus speaking of a physical healing or something more? There's so many things I wrestle with when I read this passage. Or we may wonder this question. Did Jesus 
implying that healing is not a one-step process. He just looked at this man and he said, your faith has made you well. Now to understand what all's taking place, go back a few verses, jump up back to verse 15. And look what takes place in verse 15. It says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned to the loud voice and glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving Eucharisto, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus said, Were there not ten who were cleansed, were denied? And was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Notice on the screen behind me the word giving thanks is giving Eucharisto. If nothing else through this series, your vocabulary has a handful of new words. Because they all imply the same thing. They have a different meaning, but they all imply the same thing. And here's the issue. Here's the issue I see when I read this passage of Scripture. Is I see the shock on Jesus. Because again, look at verse 17. Jesus sees this one man at his feet who is bowing down and worshiping him. And he asks this question. Look at verse 17. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Jesus is so shocked. You know, when one person offers Eucharisto, which means to give thanks for God's grace, that's what the word means, Eucharisto. Eucharisto is thankfulness. Charis is grace. It all is wrapped up together. And so what we see in this series of verses through one man is that only one person accepted the free gift, the cares, and freely offered it back to Jesus. As you read and study scripture, the Bible is filled with words like cares, Eucharisto, Eucharista. It's grace and grace and it's more grace. But notice this, only one man, only one man chose to come back to Jesus. Only one man came and fell at Jesus' feet. Only one man could say the words that we just sang. He was coming back from the heart of worship. It was all about healing. Notice this. There were ten men that had this disease. And in Scripture, we read this, and we notice that in verse 14, I told you to underline that word. Yes, the men were cleansed. But they missed something bigger. They missed something bigger because they missed out on a true healing that would take place or not. Outwardly it would take place inwardly. And we'll get to that in just a second. As I read this passage of scripture, here's the first thing that jumps out at me. We're ending the Thanksgiving season. We're thinking about this idea of thankfulness and gratitude. And this is what I see from this man that Thanksgiving is an extension of our belief in Jesus. Thanksgiving is an extension of our belief in Jesus. Because notice what this man does. He goes back to offer Eucharisto. He goes back to give thanks to the one who healed him. Now we see ten lepers who fully believe they are healed. They fully believe they are healed. They see their healing. Go back to verse 14. It says they were cleansed. And I've always loved this section of scripture. Can you imagine what it looked like for those ten men? Let me give you a little background about the disease they're dealing with leprosy. Leprosy meant that you were an outcast because your skin was covered with this disease. There was no cure for it. And so 
you were set apart. You literally had to walk across the street from other people. And if you came near other folks, you had to shout, unclean, unclean, so people get away from you. These ten men see Jesus walking. And we see the interaction between them. As Jesus comes to a certain village, there are ten men afar off. They see who this is. They know who he is. They know what he can do. And they say, have mercy on us. Notice what they don't say anywhere in the scripture. They don't say, hey, will you come lay hands on us and heal us? Will you speak it and it becomes true? All Jesus says is go and show yourself to the priest. And as they're walking, and I've always wondered what this looked like. As these ten men are walking, and the one guy looks up and says, dude, your nose is back. <laughs> and I goes, oh, my ears are there. And they start looking at each other and realize that their skin is like it used to be. And they're so overwhelmed, they know the instruction. Go show yourself to the priest. Because only the priest could declare somebody clean. And once there was a priest, that meant these men could go back to their families, go back to their jobs, go back to their normal way of life. But notice out of ten men, one man chooses to go back to the source. He goes back to the source of his blood. And scripture simply says he fell down on his face. And he cried with a loud voice and he gives thanks to God. He worships God. And we see this one man confess his belief at the feet of Jesus, offering thanksgiving and offering praise and receiving grace and expressing grace. And here's the thing that I want you to remember about this one man, this foreigner, this Samaritan, it's this. His thanksgiving for his healing was a confession and an affirmation of his belief in Jesus. Here's the point that another nine missed. The other nine missed salvation. The other nine missed salvation. Just look at this. Scripture says that they realize they're cleansed. We see that in Scripture in verse 14. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them comes back, and look what Jesus says in verse 19. He says to him, Arise, go your way, your faith. Because you and you are so overwhelmed by your belief that you come back to the source to worship Him. Think about that for a moment. We read the scripture, and I want to remind you of something. We read scripture after the fact. Sometimes we read scripture and go, man, what are they thinking? What are they doing? Let's be honest. We may have acted the same way. We were in this position. We like to say that we be like the Samaritan. We'd love to be able to say that we're like the Samaritan and man, we come back to the source saying thank you. But we're also human. It leads to another interesting fact in this passage scripture. Ten men were cleansed. One man comes back and offers Eucharistic back to Jesus and gives thanks. He says, Thank you for healing me. Jesus simply says, Your faith and faith in God. What about the other world? What about I think there's some things going on the other night, and here's the first thing I want you to see, is that there is atheism of the heart when it comes to the other nine. Now, Scripture does not directly state this, but I believe it's implied. The nine lepers responded with their lips, 
One of them responded with his wife. And so we know that we shy away from the word alien because it's a big word. We know what it means, but I want you to think about something for a second. The definition of atheism is simple. is not to believe in God. But think about this for a second. To not believe in something of what implies that you believe that it exists. So if you believe that it exists, how can you say you don't believe in it? Does that make any sense at all? But that's their justification. So we see in this verse, it's an atheism of the heart. Because atheism of the heart is to know God and to choose not to glorify Him. <coughs> atheism of the heart is to know God and choose not to glorify Him as God. It's a choice. You accept His grace, you accept His healing, you accept His provision, you accept His goodness, but you never acknowledge where they came from. You never acknowledge the source it came from. But you'll accept it freely. Notice we see that in the scripture. These ten men accept that, that, that statement from Jesus. Go show yourself to the priest. In this form of atheism we see in this passage is they accepted this healing, this grace, but do not acknowledge where it came from. And here's another thought we think about atheism of the heart. It's an atheistic heart. There's no obligation to show a response for what God has freely given. There may have been a belief in God. They acknowledge that Jesus was someone. Because they don't cry out to just anyone. They cry out to Jesus and say, have mercy on us. Know that they say, have mercy on us. Verse 13 says, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There may have been a belief in God. They may have received this gift and accepted the gift, but there was no expressive response to his gift. Their bodies are covered with boils. There are sores. Their body is crippled. And they receive this free gift of being cleansed and being healed, and there's no acknowledgement in their heart of the healing, nor is there a response to the healing. So I think the first problem we see with those nine is an atheism of the heart, but there's another issue. Atheism of life. Atheism of life. I think there are a few passages that talk about an atheistic heart. And one of them we find in the early church at Rome. Think about the Bible's Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Scripture says, this is Paul talking to his church in Rome. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21. But although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolishness of heart were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and 
It is all about me. We see that in the church here in Rome. We see that in the verses we just read. I mean, look back to verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts and the of their bodies among themselves. It says, therefore, God gave them up. God let them go. God let them fall into every sin and natural they created to come up with. And they did it on their own accord, their own choice. But here's what I understand as a child of God. If I know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life, here's what I understand this morning. Is that you and I, we know we are living a life of gratitude when the fruits of the Spirit freely flow through us. How do you know you're living a life of gratitude? Look over with me in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. How do I know I'm living a life of gratitude? Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Verse 24. For those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does this verse tell me? It tells me simply this, that a believing heart has crucified the passions of the flesh. It lives out the mercies of God. So where does that come from? Where does crucifying the passions, crucifying the desires, where does that come from? It comes from a response of knowing who God is. It's responding to God's gratitude for His mercies, responding to His gratitude for His glory. It comes from a place of gratitude. It comes from a heart and a strength to choose God above ourselves. To choose God above our world. To choose God above the way our world thinks. And the desires of my heart should be a reflection of the desires God has and be a reflection of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. There's the litmus test this morning. Are the fruits of the Spirit in me? Am I producing fruit? If you go back to the ten lepers, I think we can establish that one of those lepers was what had the fruit of the Spirit in it. Because it comes back and expresses that to God. But this morning, what are you dealing with in your heart? This morning, what is keeping you from coming to the foot of Jesus and saying thank you this morning? What is it you're wrestling with? What sins are you fighting this morning that are taking root in your life? Where are you not thanking God for the grace He shows you on a daily basis? And where are you not showing grace to others? Where are you feeling the Holy Spirit tug at your conscience to think about and consider what your life might look like if you were to add gratitude to it? How would your life be different if gratitude was part of your life? Imagine for a moment that instead of spite and frustration, your life was filled with patience and joy. Instead of anger over broken relationships, you replaced the pain with kindness. 
What if you began practicing gratitude? If you began practicing gratitude this morning, what sin would be removed? What sin would you trade this morning? If you expressed gratitude, which fruit of the Spirit would be coming forth as a result of that sin no longer being in your life? Imagine for a moment, imagine your life, your relationships, your home, your mental health. Imagine what all that would look like if you chose Christ. If you chose to come back to the feet of Jesus and sit and sing Because there's so many things in our world. He refused to see him and be able to stop and say, hey. You don't stop long enough to stand before our Heavenly Father and sing with the loudest voice we can, Behold our God, seated on His throne. Come let us adore Him. If I'm expressing gratitude, that is on my heart constantly. To stand before a holy God and tell Him, Thank you. To stand before a holy God and express Eucharistia, Eucharistia, and express cares to Him for what He has done for me. Because a gracious gratitude is not limited to my circumstances. It's not limited to certain stages of life. You and I choose to express gratitude. I can stand behind this sacred desk and tell you this morning, I'm so thankful for you as a church family. For how you serve faithfully. How you pray faithfully. How you support the mission and the ministry of this church. I can say that from a heart of gratitude. Because what God is doing in and through everyone. This morning, everyone should be like that man that ordered that Samaritan, who comes back to the foot of the cross and says, Thank you. The day Jesus died for your sins, and the day you accepted that free gift, that free cares of salvation, is the day you said thank you to him. But have you forgotten about it? Have you forgotten about your salvation? Have you forgotten about the things that I've done for you? You go back to the Luke passage. Only one man comes back. Only one man falls on his face, on his knees, and simply looks to Jesus and says, Thank you. And Jesus looks at him and says, Your faith has made you to know. Does Jesus say that about you this Every day down there, God comes. This morning, I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're fighting with. But there's always a danger, especially when coming to the seasons that we're in now. Of getting so caught up in everything else going on in our life that we don't stop long enough. We don't stop long enough to tell God, thank you. We don't stop long enough to express Eucharistic for what he has done. We don't shout out Eucharistic. We don't offer a prayer 
Christ and giving and thankfulness because we're so caught up in what the world's trying to show us and make us be like. I read the passage in Luke and immediately I think about the church in Rome. And the things they're dealing with, the things they're fighting with. But to read scripture and you read that verse, it says, Therefore God gave them up. Basically, God gave it, says, Because it says earlier in that passage, you know me. You know who I am, but you choose not to follow. You choose not to listen. You choose not to accept this terrace, this grace that I've shown to you. This morning, those who are here, those who have been watching this morning, are you wrestling with an atheistic life? Do you know God that you're choosing not to listen to follow Him? You know the things God has done for you, the things and ways God has protected you, but you're choosing not to acknowledge what He's done. You're choosing not to acknowledge His grace and His mercy, but you'll cry out this morning, he offers that grace. Grace that is found in accepting the gift of salvation, what his son did for everyone who's on the cross. Jesus willingly goes to the cross and dies for my sin and your sin. And this morning, you can accept that free gift by simply acknowledging that you're a sinner and acknowledging that Jesus is not. Lord of your life, if you've never had Jesus, you'd be separated from you. So Jesus offers the gift of salvation to us when he did the cross, and that's a free gift that the Father gives to us. There may be some this morning, you know God that you've never accepted that gift of salvation. Today you can do that. This morning there may be some here that, yes, you know who God is. You've seen God do great things in your life. But this morning, you may be acting like those nine other men. You may be thankful for what he's doing, but you've never expressed that gratefulness and that thankfulness and that grace back to you. This morning, you can do that as well. This morning, God may be telling you to be part of this fellowship. Whatever it is this morning, when we start singing this familiar hymn, we are reminded that we come to Him just as we are. We come to Him broken. We come to Him wounded. We come to Him hurting. Jesus says He doesn't want us when we're clean. He doesn't want us when we get our life in order and check. He says, come just as you are. And accept that free gift. This morning, whatever needs to be done, after I pray, you do it. If it's coming to this altar just to pray, do it. If it's coming to me and asking me to pray with you, do it. Whatever it is, do not delay. Do not wait. Because we're not guaranteed the next 30 seconds, but less tomorrow. So this morning, come just as you are. Father, we enter into a time of response. Father, a time of invitation. The prayer is simply this, your will be done. Speak to the hearts and lives of individuals this morning.
But Father, we remind us as we sing, we come just as I am. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Let's all stand.